Hello and welcome. To Kayla and Harrison. Won't shut up. They won't. <laughs> A podcast of epic proportion. Of epic. I like how this movie we're about to talk about today is like really American. It's like quintessentially American and we just started with British accents. Or some kind of accent for no reason. You gotta prepare the people. Yeah, that's true. For the uprising of mm-hmm, meme culture. Hi, Kayla. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, 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 pretty good. It's uh, pouring down rain here in Juneau, Alaska. Yes, it is very rainy. And I don't like it. Why is it not snowing, you may ask? We don't know. Global warming. Uh, global warming. So we do know. <laughs> I guess also... Maybe I misspoke. It's it's um it's pouring down snow here in Juneau, Alaska. Oh shit! <laughs> I'm just down the street and it's rain. It hasn't reached me yet. It's it's. Oh, a... <laughs> it hasn't turned to snow yet. No, we have a warm front over here. Just for fun, I'm gonna look up Juneau, Alaska weather, just to like not I know because I can look out the window, but like right. um, you know, like uh, I want to see what like the, the the media, the. The, the fake news. The liberal bias news of Google has to say. Uh, it says that it is um, not raining right now and that it is 34 degrees. So I guess I'll eat my words. Well, you know what they say about Alaska. <laughs> Takes them a week to count votes. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jesus. Um, if only we lived in a country where the loser would just concede, right? I know. Uh, imagine. Imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, yeah, so we might have a new president, hopefully. Um, I, I mean, we do. I can't emotionally leave any doubt. Do you see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying. Um, it would be kind of fun to physically uh, rip uh, him from the White House, though. It would be. Um, it would be. I can't even... I think about it. Hold on. This is how I feel about it. Oh, <laughs> it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's not here. <laughs> it's, it's 8 a.m. here. <laughs> we just, anyway. We're just on a country music kick today for some reason. Uh, I'm always on a country music kick. You've met me. Look behind me, Harrison. I, what's, who's a on skeleton. Wall, okay, next. A bat. Next to the, next. In between the bed and the skeleton, who is on my wall? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, thank you. I'm I'm living the country life always. Look Pra-pra- at what beer I'm drinking. Praise her name. This is this is the the beer of the proletariat, Harrison. Oh, Bud Light. Bud Light. Love it. It's because I ran out of the nice one. The beer of Post Malone. Cheers to that. I'm drinking coffee. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh what what people are supposed to drink in the morning? <laughs> wow, uh, well, it just depends weird. on where you are. I'm not working today. That's why I'm just going for it. Just going for it. I don't blame you. You may as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, I'll tell you, Harrison, this film, this film makes me want to just go for it. Because... <laughs> Does it? <laughs> yes, because, well, I we haven't even introduced the film, but I'll say before we even get into the realities of this podcast that this dude that this film is about was so chill Yes. As like a personality person, and I, because you've met me, you know, I am one of the most uptight, annoying, stubborn, Aries snakes that ever existed on God's green earth. 
And I don't want to be that anymore, Harrison. I don't want to be it. I don't know that I would describe you like that at all. <laughs> but I support your I, endeavors. I want to be chill. Feels good, man. Feels good to be this way. <gasps> oh, shit. A segue. I smell it. Yes. Um, this... I, I've been a little apprehensive about this, I'm going to be honest. Um, Wait, what do you... About talking about this film? Or yeah. Well, I mean, not apprehensive. Just uh, nervous, I guess. Because this is our first non-narrative movie that we're discussing on the podcast. That can't be true. It is. This it's is our, like first, our first... Our first... documentary. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. I feel like the two of us... We watched documentaries, though. We took a whole class about it together, right? Yeah, it's just the first time we've talked about it on... The podcast. Oh, because maybe it's too real, man. It is. Well, that's obvious. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, today we're talking about a documentary film called mm-hmm. Feels Good, Man, as Kayla just said. Yes, Feels um, Good, Man. About Pepe the Frog, who was created <laughs> by Arthur, or sorry, no, <laughs> created by Matt Fury. Who's um, Arthur? Arthur Jones is the director of the movie. Um, no. <laughs> His, de- his directorial debut. Um, and this just came out. It was released in January, right? Yeah, but I think it just... No, well, I think it went out on the, um, the like, um, circuit of... God damn it, we went to film school. What is it called? Festivals! Yes. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Festivals. <laughs> I know, and it was, it was... It's just started in the festival circuit in January of this year, the year of our Lord 2020. So obviously oh that didn't last very long. Um, but I believe Amazon picked it up. And PBS. And how... Oh, really? Yeah, it's on okay. PBS. That's really cool. Or it was um, in some capacity. I'm some sort of a sellout monster person, which I don't care about anymore because I'm a chill person now. And I watched it on Amazon. So. Well, I appreciate that attitude. We need more <laughs> chill Kayla's in the world. So chill. Um, so for those that don't know, Pepe the mm-hmm. Frog is a highly contentious uh, mm-hmm. image, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. originating from a comic mm-hmm. called Boys Club. Have uh, you ever read the comic? I haven't. And it's pretty old now, right? I mean... <laughs> I haven't read it either, but all, yeah. It I mean, in terms of like... <laughs> In terms of, like, the time it was released and now, uh, like, everything that's going on with the content that's been sort of um, co-opted. Well, but also, you know what it is? I was in high school, I think, when this guy was posting. He he mentions in the documentary the guy who created this cartoon, which is a frog with big bulging eyes and and tubular mouth. Um... To quote Alex Jones, who's in this film. <laughs> uh, anyway. You have to wonder if he got royalties for being in this. I really hope not. You know he didn't, because he's not like an interviewee, right? Yeah. It's just, it's archival footage of him from his own television show, or that stupid fucking goddamn whatever radio thing he does. Um, and, and then the legal records, right? No, but, uh, so this comic book, Boys Club, by Matt Fury, um, he posted it on MySpace, and he talks about that in the documentary. Oh, that's which right. Which is crazy. It's um, 
it really shows you on the one hand how easily dated all of our social media is um, to even mention. Because when he said I posted it on MySpace and it was really fun or whatever, it was like my that instantly dates it, right? Yeah. Um, and this was in the mid two thousands, I believe. Um, that he was talking about in particular when he was um, posting full-page comics on MySpace, and then they didn't really get into it, but I assume at some point he gets a publisher, because then at some point they are um, published as bound books. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not so much a documentary about Matt Fury as it is a documentary about a character that he made that was utilized for nefarious purposes um but the so this will be interesting um because i think that maybe this is like a more conversational and less uh breakdown of the actual movie since it is a documentary i think it would be like a little odd to do it in the same way we typically do but the the more or less the gist of the film is an exploration into this person's career to a degree Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and about how this very chill, unassuming, kind of schlubby, nerdy artist who we can all (laughs) identify with. (laughs) Now Um, I can, now that I'm a chill person. That's true. Um, (laughs) they created something and then I think it's, you know, there's kind of like a moral debate about whether or not once his comic, the Pepe the Frog, was taken, he kind of sat back and watched it kind of snowball into this sort of monster. Um, and then now, I, and I, all of this is evident from the trailer of the movie, um, and now he's trying to sort of reclaim his copyright and his ownership of Pepe and mm-hmm. uh, take it back from the hands of the alt-right Um, I found um, this documentary very interesting because I think it did such an amazing job of explaining all of this because I feel like I got bits and pieces of this just from being a human being alive in the United States in the 21st century, right? Um, Like, I remember when Alex Jones uh, was sued uh, for copyright over Pepe, um, and I remember him settling out of court. Like, I remember that happening and thinking, great, I hate that guy. Right. I hate, I hate Alex Jones so much. Um, and, um, I remember thinking, I don't know what the, what the hell Pepe Frog is, though. Yeah, that's what Um, I was going to ask. So what's your relationship to this mm -hmm. information? Like, well, so what's interesting is I've definitely, before I ever would have conceived of any of this, I've, I've definitely seen that image. Um, and I, you know, it was so interesting the way that this guy is so chill, right? So he draws four characters for a comic called Boys Club. And, like, one's a wolf and one's a frog. And the other two are, like, ambiguously mammal-amphibian hybrids. I don't, they don't really talk about it. But really the only one of them that's a recognizable animal is this frog. And he kind of talks a little bit about how much he just likes frogs. So he doodles frogs and then, boom, one of his characters is a frog. And the way that it, that the one panel, the one panel that we think of as Pepe um, came to be organically just through everyone on Facebook, or not Facebook, see, again, I don't even, I can't keep up, MySpace, um, you know, the memification of just that one image and the phrase feels good, man, he, 
you know, he talked about being like, my friends told me maybe I should sue people for copyright, but that's not, that's not this guy's vibe. He's like, I wouldn't, why would I bother? Like, if people think it's funny, like, do and whatever the hell you want. By this guy, do you mean Matt Fury, or are you talking about Pepe? Yeah. No, I'm talking about Matt Fury, because he, he, I mean, he says in the documentary, he, at one point, his friend told him, like, you should lawyer up. Like, right. people on MySpace are just copying and pasting your crap and, and editing it and retooling it and doing stuff and he's like i don't give a shit like you know it seems like it was mostly um like jocks like jocks were like feels good man and like that that was their phrase right right? which is so Um, fascinating because i mean when you think about this it's kind of like the opposite effect of the like obey symbol or something or like banksy mm -hmm. you know what i mean which was co-opted and used i would say I would say it was used for a similar intent as the original purpose and then amplified to a degree that became like cliche, whereas the complete opposite happened with this. Exactly, because the comic that that frame is from and the phrase feels good, man, comes from a black and white comic about the frog character uh, peeing. And when he pees, like, because he's a humanoid frog, right? So you assume he has some sort of a penis or something. Um not a hemi penis, right? Can we talk about amphibian genitalia? Just kidding. <laughs> Please don't. I won't. I would though, and I could. Anyway, long story short, the joke is that he pees with his pants all the way down instead of just opening his fly. And then his friend later is like, "I hear you pee with your pants all the way down." And he says, "Yeah, it feels good, man." Like that's just it's just funny. It's like a it's not even a non sequitur. It's just like it is what it is, and it's funny. And it's simple, and it's goofy. And that's it. End of story. And so you're right. It's the opposite of what happens with these other sort of icons. Because the image itself, that black and white image of him, it, it is literally what it is. Yeah. It's just funny and silly and simple. Um, and and that's the opposite of what it ends up meaning. <laughs> right. So for those that don't know, um, at some point the image ends up on 4chan, which... Um, is kind of like a Reddit anonymous. Um, yeah, how would like you explain? It's anonymous. Well, like it's like it's, it's like a, a forum. Forum, yeah, where people just capitalize I mean, on one another's posts, and it kind of snowballs. And in order to get popularity on the post, people keep commenting. So the more yes. um, popularity that a post has, the higher it goes up mm-hmm. into the chain like a chain top. of information I mean, yeah that's it's interesting because that's how all social media works now i mean i don't think it did at the time at the time it was just a chronological collection social media was just being born you know mm-hmm. we were still using myspace and such um and it's interesting because 4chan i guess kind of piloted that the idea that the more um the clout of your post makes it more apparent in people's feeds instead of the logical thing, which would just be that, no, a feed is just the chronological order of all the right. things you follow. And it but went from no 4chan one... to Tumblr. I mean, yeah. To Instagram, uh, which is like the birthplace of influencers because it's all mm-hmm. about clickbait, essentially. So it's kind of fascinating the way that it snowballed. And for him, like in a pretty unfortunate way, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that it's, it, 
the fascinating thing, or one of the fascinating aspects of this to me is just how if you are unfamiliar and you didn't come of age with these things, and we're almost mm -hmm. like kind of on the elder <laughs> millennial uh, perspective of it, but like yeah. if you weren't on these platforms, I just am so curious what someone who has no idea what any of this shit is would think of this movie because it's so much of the information is just assumed knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what my parents would make of this if they were watching it and they were like, oh, you know, it was on 4chan. And they were like, what the, what does that word it, mean? Like, what? You know, we talked about that, Michael and I, because we will, I actually watched this film, um, because Michael and I just happened upon the trailer and we were like, maybe this is too real. You know, it's it's been election week, mm -hmm. election weeks. Maybe we don't want to watch anything that has to do with America and our politics. Um, but we did and I'm glad we did. And it's interesting because, so we have people in our family, right, who are big Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. um, and without naming names or exactly who I'm talking about, Michael had a conversation with one of them where he was like, you know, I, I don't understand how you're okay with this thing he tweeted or like anything he tweets or just like his Twitter and the way that he communicates with people and the way he speaks. And the person he was talking to was like, I don't look at his Twitter. What are you talking about? I never knew he said locker up or, or free Michigan or, or like all that incendiary stuff that most likely led to those people in Michigan trying to kidnap their governor. Right. Like the FBI figured out. And I think that kind of blew both of our minds because it was like, what do you mean you don't know? Yeah. Right? I mean, we're millennials and we're maybe older millennials, but, like, I have a general concept of these sorts of things, like 4chan, and the general concept of, like, what an incel is. Right. And, and the kind of shit that's on Twitter. But it's interesting how generational it is. Absolutely. I was talking to my neighbor who's a big advocate for local elections and local government and community and we were chatting about like our election in town and the results and how i just was dumbfounded at how anyone could support uh the mayoral candidate who the incumbent who <clears throat> sat by idly while people were abused by police and did nothing mm -hmm. and promised change and didn't do anything to make that change um and won his re-election campaign and meanwhile, the person who was challenging him the most uh, was at all of the protests, not all of them, but a great deal of them, and spoke publicly about the need for people and citizens to stand up and vote in local small elections and how this is a snowball effect. And, you know, I naively fully expected her to win, but so many people in our area have no I like didn't know who she was and they only voted because they didn't want the incumbent to lose because that would in their minds make this the like mayor shift in a way that wasn't favorable to one party which is really kind of just naive but in talking to people who had been canvassing they're like yeah these people these people have no idea who she is, like the challenger. And also, um, you know, they just, they watch 
cable news and that's what it comes down or they watch cable and that's what it comes down to is that's where they get their news from. They're not online looking at it. Like, I mean, the thing I will say about Twitter is especially in the case of sort of smaller progressive cities is it's a gateway to information. Like you could, depending on where you're getting your news from, um, be more informed because of Twitter than any news station you're going to get news from. So I think mm -hmm. it's interesting because these like an older generation might have no idea what any of this means. And meanwhile, we're like, Oh, right. 4chan, you know, like yeah, I remember I, like when it, I've never been on it, but I know what it is. Right. And you can see its influence. Like I remember, I very vividly remember some people that I worked with at a previous job who were freaks for 4chan and the, tr the whole trolling culture that comes along with it, that got Trump elected in my opinion, or had mm -hmm. a lot to do with it were thriving when he won because they were like a me like a meme meme culture and trolling won. like he's the ultimate troll he will mm -hmm. he will troll america and to them like a disenfranchised younger group than me who uh, arguably were all incels uh it was like a victory but to everyone else who's rational it was uh you know devastating so well, and I'm so I it's we've, we've both used the word incel a couple of times and I feel like just for anyone who's listening who maybe is not sure I do feel so and it's such a complicated thing because to just to say what it means which is like an involuntary celibate right that's what incel stands for mm -hmm. there's so much to unpack um, <laughs> it, there's so much to unpack and it's crazy and I I think one of the reasons I am interested in this kind of thing um, not just because of our age or our politics or you know who who we are as 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 left people leftist people i'm interested in it also because i'm a middle school teacher right and so much of the psychology of these sorts of people who you're talking about and who are on 4chan people who self-identify with things as like a coping mechanism for life not going the way they had wanted or expected it's such a middle school mindset. And I don't even mean that really in a judgmental way. Like I made a personal decision to spend my career for the rest of my life with these kids in middle school. Right. And that age is so messed up. And I see these things in these sorts of issues. And for the most part, you know, you grow up, you mature at a certain rate, you know, you meet developmental goals. And then all of a sudden you're an adult who, would have a hard time wrapping their head around a lot of these things. Right. But there's there's a kind of arrested development here that I don't think as a society we know what to do with. Um, and it results in something that people our age 100 years ago could never conceive of because of the advent of the internet that makes all of this possible. Right. It makes me think, I mean, most recently, I used to live in North Carolina, as you know, mm -hmm. and so I still have a lot of friends there and family. Um, and Madison Cawthorn, who just became the youngest member of House, uh, North Carolina Republican, as soon as he was That's elected... Cool that they're the youngest, although... Yeah. It would be cool, except the moment after they discovered they were elected, after, um, I think it's the 11th Congressional District, okay. um, tweeted, cry more, lib. Oh God! Okay. And so that's such a middle schooler thing to say, right? How and so this arrest, twenty six or something, but oh. it just goes to show, like the the people that you're talking about, these 
disenfranchised younger people have now grown and they're entering our political sphere and they're going to they are Fox News has created these people like mm-hmm. uh, slanted uh, media mm-hmm. like news resources which are strictly touting at, or you know strictly providing entertainment over any sort of factual resource. It's really honestly not even just the conservative cable news. I mean, when you, and again, I'm, I'm just like, I'm a far, far, far left person right? as a person. But I feel like 24 hour news cycles and, and that, that kind of echo chamber it creates, it's very similar to what this documentary is about and what 4chan is and all these other sorts of similar things. An echo chamber where everyone that you're interacting with or watching on your television already thinks what you do yeah and which is why this new i mean we're kind of on a tangent but honestly like this is all tied into the documentary um the this is what the documentary is about Um, yeah have you heard of the there's a conservative facebook essentially called parlor now where people are in droves switching over to because now facebook is no longer their safe space echo chamber for conservative trolling so mm-hmm. they're all moving to this thing called Parlor, where it's known for being slanted, um, bias, disinformation, conspiratorial, conservative you, you trash. Know, I, there's a there's a another good documentary, and maybe we can talk about this sometime. Uh, which it's already kind of an instantly forgettable documentary in terms of like, I could barely rehash it for you, but the concept that it left me with, which was the algorithm being the algorithm is the 24 hour news network. The algorithm is the 24 seven Alex Jones, like, um, radio show and Infowars. Like it's, it's, it's the echo chamber. Right. And it's, it's something that, I don't think about, because I'm in my own echo chamber, right? Like, I'm obviously not on parlor or whatever, but when they, what the hell is it? I feel like it was called The Social Dilemma. Again, not... Yeah, I know what you're talking almost, about. Yeah, and but really got me with it was, it's sort of like I was saying earlier, everything works on this same algorithm now. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, the height of which is this uh, TikTok. I don't know if you're on TikTok. I'm not, but, but I, I know of it. I'm a middle school teacher, so I... Always at least put a good faith effort into understanding what the hell my kids are talking about. Right. Um, so I'm on TikTok. And it's literally, the premise of it is that, like, whatever videos you watch and you like and you watch all the way through is the basis for the videos that show up on your feed. So, like, when I go on TikTok, it's very liberal and it's right. very it's catered. And it, yeah, it's catered to you. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that I'm just... I'm in a different echo chamber than, you know, if my conservative XYZ and my family was on the exact same app. So it's interesting with Parler. I'm very interested in where that's going to go and how that's going to be because I feel like we, I'm sure they use the same kind of algorithms, right? So even if a bunch of people were going to decide to go onto this Parler website and, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's unprecedented. So this really right. gets back to how absurd of a situation this documentary describes Feels Good Man and how we should air it for someone not in our generation and be like, hey, what the hell do you think this is? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, truly, it's a cautionary tale. And I think that it's told 
through the lens of someone who is presented and probably like probably is like a pretty vulnerable and normal person who is affected deeply by Mm -hmm. a piece of himself are like being taken and changed. And he, it's a representation of him in some ways because he's the creator. So the whole, you know, the whole parlor thing, I'm, I'm mostly concerned because I think that there's been a rise since Trump's presidency and since Mm -hmm. the pandemic of people finding interest in and not being able to decipher the difference between conspiratorial Mm -hmm. information that literally anyone can provide on the internet and Mm -hmm. fact-based research. And I think that education is being, you know, called into question. And I think that, Mm-hmm. I think it's really dangerous, and I think that Parler is going to be really dangerous. I think that mm-hmm. we've already seen how things like Pizzagate have transpired, people literally getting shot in an establishment that it was rumored had a secret basement with a child pedophile ring. I mm-hmm. think that Parler is only going to do more damage to people who can't easily decipher what they're reading and what they're learning about is not true. And I think that this is maybe an evolutionary stage of 4chan in the way that it's just a troll culture that's now being completely unchecked because it's tapped into a conservative framework. Well, yeah, and and one of their big tenets is this idea of the First Amendment, meaning you can say whatever you want without consequences, which, you know, I mean, the First Amendment is what the First Amendment is, whether or not you interpret it um, to mean free speech is something that is just completely devoid of any context or consequence and um, free speech being, you know, an American right that means that you can literally say whatever you want, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to have to face up for what you stand behind. Um, Yes, I will say, like, going off of that really quick, I've been... Um, so I've been sharing this speech that, um, Sacha Baron Cohen did in 2019, uh, for the Anti-Defamation League. I'm not sure if you've seen Mm -hmm. it or if I shared it with you. Um, it's called Never Is Now. Um. No, I haven't. It's. I did watch Borat too, though. Yes, me me too. I Um, fell asleep at the beginning and then firmly saw the second half of Borat too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so... Uh, there's the speech it's it's an award ceremony he receives the award and then he does this like really great speech talking about uh, kind of information and what it means to and he's talking about free speech because there's this argument now and Mm -hmm. there's this argument that's like free speech is in question right and that's Mm -hmm. based upon censorship of misinformation and a lot of people are are conspiratorial entertaining like if we're censoring the false narratives that trump are saying it's only a matter of time before they censor us and like i think that it's important to note that donald trump is a celebrity he whether or not he actually is a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever um he had a successful television show he has a successful Twitter. He is a personality that millions of people look to. He's mm-hmm. not someone on 4chan anonymously posting information. 
but we see through this movie's lens how quickly that can transpire. So I think that like when talking about free speech, the important thing to note is previously to this administration and kind of the rise of troll culture and the rise, the resurgence of uh, conspiracy theories mm -hmm. um, and conspiracy theory websites and resources, and now having a conspiracy theorist in office questioning everything that the moral fabric of society in our country holds to be true. Um, prior to this, there is a, and again, this is back to the speech. He talks mm -hmm. about there being a level of truth that we can all agree upon. And when we all agree upon that le one level of truth, then we can base comedy on it. We can base mm. art on it. We can base everything mm -hmm. on it because we all operate from the same understanding that one piece of truth is true. So he uses the example of um, when he was Ali G and he was interviewing. Um, ah, shit. Um, I just lost it. I never watched the Ali G show, so I'm not. He. Um, I remember it. Buzz Aldrin. He, t he interviewed Buzz Aldrin, who was completely clueless that obviously this was a comedy setup. I'm not sure. If you haven't seen Ali G. Um, is it it's like a, Borat where it's like he's a character and he interacts yes. with people who don't know he's a character? Okay. Yeah, so Got originally it. he had three characters. One was like mm -hmm. a yo white rapper. Uh, oh. One was Borat. And one was uh, oh. Bruno, who was a gay fashionista in, I want to say, Sweden. Um, oh, and he makes a movie about Bruno in the future, doesn't he? He did, yes. So back when Bo back when it was just the Ali G show, Ali G was the main character, and then the other two were supplementary characters. And all three are essentially news reporters or interviewers to some degree. And mm -hmm. he says that, so he has an interview with Buzz Aldrin, and he says, what was it like to be the first man to walk on the sun? And Buzz Aldrin looks at him <laughs> like, are you an idiot? Um, and he says, like, the reason that we all laugh at that joke and we understand it is because we all have the framework that he was the first person to walk on the moon. And yes. so I say okay. the sun I see what you're saying. and there's the joke. But when we don't have that framework, there is nothing that binds us together to be able to operate from the same level of understanding. And okay. I recommend everyone go listen to this speech. It's really good. It's on YouTube. It's probably like 20 to 30 minutes long. Um, but he talks about the danger of the Silicon six, you know, Facebook, What's Twitter, that? Facebook, oh. Twitter, Instagram. Well, tw Instagram is through Facebook, but Google, um, Amazon. And he talks about these that, extremely a, wealthy people yes. who are not doing anything to control these falsehoods that are being advertised that are easily, easily debunked, right? But like when all information is available and no information is being sent through the lens of credibility, then everything is fair game. And so to like, to say like, oh, well, free speech is being violated um, is a problem because, you know, I don't think that Donald Trump's free speech is the same as Gandhi's free speech, right? Like, <laughs> well, Gandhi is an interesting uh, example to bring up. That guy was weird. Yeah, I'm putting that out there. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you know what I mean. Like, okay. I do. I yeah. Like, I don't know. Helen Keller. Right. Exactly. Like. Or like, I don't any other person. An actual victim, as opposed to someone like Donald Trump. Not that Gandhi sure. was a victim, but. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, I mean, sorry for anyone I might have offended by saying Gandhi was weird. 
But he was. <laughs> if you want to Google Gandhi taking baths with young girls, that's something you can Google and find hits for. So if you're putting it out there. Well, that's fake news, Kayla, as oh, we just my discussed. <laughs> <laughs> my mistake. My mistake. Just kidding. Um, um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Silicon 6, I'm like, I'm a little stuck on, on that because I'm maybe the solution is this, uh, you know, trust breaking of social media. Like, I you know, talk some shit, not really about TikTok, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a good thing to have that trust broken up. And I mean, trust in a, in a business sense, um, you know, not trust in a emotional sense. Maybe there should be so many different social medias that nothing means anything anymore. And then it'll just, it'll just it coalesce right without the monopoly of twitter without right. the monopoly of the people who own these six companies right so that's an interesting thing here's here's what i'm understanding from our whole conversation harrison don't watch feels good man if you don't want to have an existential crisis <laughs> yeah or i mean well i mean that's and that's the tenets of a good documentary i think or not i mean know, yeah that's true like not the tenant but you know uh the well, I remember... A good documentary I, is a hard pill to swallow, and it's something that makes you uncomfortable, in my opinion. Who, who was our documentary teacher at school? Was it Smalley? Probably. Or Jake Dodd. Shout whoever, out, Jake Dodd. Sh shout out to everyone who taught us in film school. Whoever taught us documentary, I remember there being this idea that like the mark of a good documentary is that anyone could watch it and come away with something a little different, like the mark of a good documentary. And I think they used Jesus Camp as an example. Mm. Um, the mark of a good documentary is, is that it just lays out what happened. Right. And there isn't a slant, right? In that, for example, Jesus Camp, um, which is a documentary that makes someone who is not religious, like you and me, think like, oh, this is, this is absolutely, you know, abhorrent. This is an example of why organized religion is something i don't want to be a part of but jesus camp is shown at jesus camps um right. as an example of the good work they do so that's that's the kind of philosophy of a good documentary and i think you could watch feels good man and you can feel for this guy there's a lot of different things you can you can feel for this guy right you can feel from him from the sense of that he created something and at first at first, he didn't mad. He didn't mind that people were co-opting it. He wasn't worried about it. And then all of a sudden, it became co-opted with something that. It's not that he didn't care about it. Is that, it was something hateful, right? Right. Because that's what ends up happening with Pepe the Frog. It it starts being co-opted so much, um, by and I don't even want to say conservative because the real word is 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 like these white supremacists or the real people the people who who are just trolls that's what they want that's what you said like the right. people who just want to sow discord um which based on their own hate and anger yeah and then he's like you know what crap i need to fight to get this back i need to fight to for this to not be my life anymore and he does some things and some things are successful and some things aren't but um, even even in doing that i think it's important to note and you see in the documentary that he is then trolled. Like, mm -hmm. when he first sues Alex Jones, Alex Jones' fans come to Alex Jones' defense and mm -hmm. are saying that he's just whining and all these things. But 
the irony is that it's like, as the creator, it's well within his right mm -hmm. to tell you that this is not what he was intending to do. I mean, and once once a piece of art is made, it is in, yes. it is open to interpretation by anyone. That's not to say yes. it isn't. Yes. But if he's vehemently opposed, like that is important context for mm -hmm. the actual subject matter. You know, it's a, another great example is J.K. Rowling. Um, mm -hmm. Before she was so vocal with her sort of turfy anti-trans opinions. With her 100%, and I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, as you know, but her views, I mean, I read her freaking manifesto on her website. Right. She She's transphobic. I don't, I hope that she won't always be, but you don't have to sugarcoat it. Cause she's right. Nonsense. In my opinion. Yeah. Which I think is the right opinion when it comes to transgender uh, ideas and things. But anyway. Yeah, that's but. That's something I struggle with, you know, like this idea that you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. But I think, like, just to point out, there was a lot of things happening with fandom before she said any of that, mm -hmm. where people, I think, were kind of hopeful, and there was a lot of information, like, in, in post-release of this information that she added, oh, so-and-so was gay, or so-and-so's oh, actually, yeah. so -and -so's actually supposed been... to be black. Oh, and it's like... Or, um... You know, Dumbledore's supposed to be gay, which was her first big claim, and then and then once they actually have him and his lover in a film, they, it's not gay. So it's like, oh, okay, so why'd you even, what? Yeah, so it's like, you know, it's in, context is key for, in any art discussion, uh, and mm -hmm. film is no exception, and neither is comics or illustration, and so I think... With the whole Alex Jones thing, it's just a matter of them trolling him more. And then that's when he finally breaks and is like, I'm going to, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to start taking action to reclaim my property, which I yes. think is just kind of a cautionary tale for anyone out there who's making anything. Mm -hmm. I think that it's probably wise if you see <laughs> your creation being co-opted to sort of clamp down on it. Clamp down. If he had listened to his friend at the beginning of this whole story and and tried to pull some sort of a copyright claim during the MySpace days, you know, none of this would have happened. But that, of course, begs the question of it, it just would have happened with someone else's art. Like, they briefly talk about that blank face guy. Oh, right. Whoa, Jack, or whatever. Which, I, I feel like I want to watch a documentary about that art now. Like, where yeah. did that come from? I want, I just got so much context. That's, oh, I love documentaries because it's like, look at all this context I was never going to get. Um, Otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I so what's really sad ultimately about this film to tie it back into the the arc of this film you know they talk about how this this image of, of Pepe the Frog was also used um, in the Hong Kong um, oh yes contest, which I don't know and maybe you know more about them than I do but I I I liked that attempt I think by the documentary to be like look it can be just because it's it's been co-opted right and and essentially his efforts to get it back are, are failures. Like he, it's good that he sued Alex Jones because Alex Jones was literally profiting right. off of images of Pepe the Frog, um, against Matt Fury's will. And, um, I just, I think all in the end though, you're right. It is a cautionary tale because he, his impetus behind not originally sh clamping down on his copyright 
it seems, because he, he has this kind of almost naive worldview where he's like, oh, people are just having fun. They can have fun. That's the point of Boys Club and me making my silly comics. Like, right. I'm, it's fine. The world is generally good. And this is such an extreme example of how that naivete can be taken advantage of. Right. Um, that it's kind of scary. And and I think that the stuff at the end with Hong Kong was good and it made you feel better because mm -hmm. that seemed to be such a positive use of this character. But it, in the end, it was just sort of like, damn, it's a little disillusioning, right? Totally. Just overall. But, I mean, out of all of that comes this documentary. So mm -hmm. I think that there's... I think that the ending is hopeful, uh, you know, it's, he was an example of someone whose artwork was used to undermine a lot of people and a lot of things. And mm -hmm. in the end, there is at least some idea of justice with him uh, winning the lawsuit against Alex Jones. And then, as you said, the Hong Kong protests in 2019 up until now, um, using this in a way that also kind of ties back to the innocent nature of it that he discussed in the beginning of the film, where he was like, it's just a frog, um, mm -hmm. and I like frogs, and he's, <laughs> he's named... He's a frog because I like frog, and his... <laughs> his name is Pepe because it sounds like pee-pee, and... And that's funny. Uh, yeah, and it's just, <laughs> and then at the very end, when you know protesters are asked why they're why they're using this, they're like, "Well, he's sad, but hopefully one day he'll be happy." And I thought that was such a nice. Yeah, that was nice. Kind of. Or like, he's so ugly, I love him. <laughs> right. It was such a nice kind of cherry on the top of this film because it's like I think that it's hopeful, like that there will be justice and that eventually, mm -hmm. you know, the trolls won't win. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, and I, I feel like I'm ready to give a rating just because I, I know that sure, this yeah. is, there's so many things I didn't even ever say about this film. I think the animations are so great. Oh, yeah. They're so good. And um, Yeah, from a production I, standpoint, the film is very well made. And for, so well made. for yeah, a documentary, I, it's just tied together so beautifully. I think that's why maybe the social dilemma the documentary we talked about earlier kind of falls apart for me because it doesn't seem as well organized um, right. and it's not as well produced. And this film is just, it's gorgeously produced. And um, I always think like they have the benefit of having the subject matter be about an animation, right? So like, yes. Yeah, so there's the a film time. caters to that really well, especially, yes. you know, a non-narrative film, all of the writing and development is mm -hmm. done in po post filming. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it folds into that very well. Yes. And, um, you know, I, it's just, obviously, I think I could talk to you about this film and the stuff that it talks about for many more hours. Um, and that's, I think, ultimately the triumph of this documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael and I had a huge conversation afterwards about, do you remember 8chan? No. So that's really interesting. I might send you this uh, article. The guy who founded 8chan, which was a reaction to him thinking that 4chan was not adequately supplying free speech, right? I guess at some point in 4chan, they were like, we need to fucking lock this shit down. And then he was like, well, I'm going to make 8chan. And the guy who created 8chan, who now is opposed to it and things like it, has a fascinating story. 
Um, yeah, send me that. I'd love to read it. Yeah, I will. He he um he spoke to the New York Times, and it's very interesting. And I you know again we could talk about this forever. Um, but overall, that again, like we said, that's what makes a good documentary. This is a good documentary. Yeah. This is just a solid documentary. So I am ready. I am ready to give a rating. Let's hear it. I waffled between two ratings for this film, which was a five and a six. Those are my waffles. Ooh la la. And if we could get half ratings, <laughs> I would give it a 5.5. But because our silly rating system doesn't even allow me to feel things in halves, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 6. Do it. I am going to give it a 6 um, because of everything I've said. It's just such a well-made documentary. That's what really puts it over the edge, I think, for me into a 6 is just... It's not just that there's a wealth of interesting things here, and I feel like I learned about a cool guy, and I learned about a very interesting and unique to this time period situation. It left me wanting to know more, but it's just so well made. That's what pushes it into a six for me. Yeah, it really is produced well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a five, and I think the I agree with everything that you said, and the only reason I'm not giving it a six is because kind of what I was talking about earlier uh, because there's so much information, it's kind of hur- hurriedly, hurriedly. Quick. You think it's rushed a little bit? It's it's rushed in how it sets up what these platforms are, in my opinion. Because I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about, like, how will this film age? Because it's so... Mm. It, spans, it spans from a time when we were familiar with MySpace to a time now where everyone is just so inundated with information yeah. and imagery and <laughs> everything is co-opted and recycled and resampled yeah. and that's just like emblematic of our time but mm-hmm. I don't know I so I think a lot about nostalgia all the time and I think about one of my favorite things when I was younger is watching um in the night in the late 90s uh, VH1 would do these interviews with like flashback to the 90s and flashback to the 80s and it was celebrities from like music and fashion and entertainment talking about uh, like culturally relevant things like, oh, well, we, we used to watch uh, such and such show came on and that show was so great. Or then this music was so important because of this. And I feel like it really gave a younger generation and an older generation like a lot of information about something they may not have insight into. But it was mm-hmm. so thorough and spread over so many episodes. I wish I could remember what it was called. But it was there were series about all of them. I love the 90s, maybe. I think that's what it was. Oh, yes. That's exactly what it was. Yes. So like that had the breathing room. And it would be like, I room. love the 90s. Exactly. Yeah, I got it. I got you on the page now. And that would introduce you to who these comics were. And those comics would end up going on to be like Sarah Silverman or something, you know, like where that now they have like a level of fame that we all recognize. But when they were doing these interviews for these shows, they weren't as well known or they were talking about kind of like niche things. Like, um, for example, like the Syphil and Ollie show is such a niche piece of culture from the late nineties on MTV. Uh, mm-hmm. Liam Lynch developed this puppet show <gasps> and then like 10 years later Love that him. that had like a huge resurgence because United States of whatever came out for some reason and was popular on the radio waves again and I think that all of that all of that is super fascinating and like that's kind of like a good informational way of expressing something and I think this film because it was only well, I think the runtime was like 92 minutes mm-hmm. um, I think that 
it might be lost on a lot of people. Like I was saying earlier, what 4chan is and like the coming of age of these things. And I don't know, I'm not saying that I have any idea how it would be explained better, but I just think, um, I think it's important that they showed examples of people on both sides. Like they showed the one guy who was a quote unquote incel and the people yeah. showing their bedrooms being like, I live in utter filth in my mom's house and I don't have a job. Not and happy about and it. And that's totally normal. I think yeah. like, but I just think it was kind of, um, it was glossed over. I think that that's like a large part of this movie. It's a large impetus behind this movement of taking this innocent character and making him nefarious. Um, and so that's my only qualm is like, I worry, or not worry, but I'm curious about the longevity of the movie um, and I'm, its reach. And mm-hmm. um, I'm curious about how many people were, this was lost on, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's I, interesting. It's, it's, it's hard to say if those people would even be interested in this, you know? So I'm, Well, we need to force them. So everyone listening who's been thinking, I don't know about this, just watch it and then let us know how you feel. Yeah, on our social media. Wanna... Shout out and then at K-A-H-W-S-E. <laughs> you on instagram yeah boom that's why we can never actually review the social dilemma because we'd be like uh anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> find us on the thing that is that a you quandary. don't want to you won't want to do for 24 hours after watching this but then we'll get right back to like normal exactly yeah and that's the success <laughs> of social media <laughs> oh god <laughs> all right well that about wraps it up for this week i think anything yes. else you want to say about feels good man um, I like, oh, I was going to say something that had nothing to do with feels good, man. What? Go for it. There's a plant in your room behind you and it looks like it's floating in midair, but I bet it's actually just on a very thin, no, other side. Oh, it's on a plant stand. <laughs> uh-huh. An invisible plant stand. That's Wonder Woman's plant stand. Am I right? I don't know what that means, but yes. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> now who's in the same generation as me? Still Uh-oh. you. <laughs> All no, right. but I, I just want to say about this film and this conversation we just had that it feels good, man. It does feel good, man. It feels good, man. Also non-mans. Gender feels non-conforming good. mans. All, all the spectrum. Feels good. All right. We love you, everyone. Bye. Bye.